2: Something to note, Journey to the West, the primary source of the Monkey King myth, is an incredibly detailed tale. Not every story from the novel's 100 chapters have made it into this retelling. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Chinese traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. This episode features dramatizations and discussions of cannibalism, extreme violence, and sexual harassment. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, was trapped. Stone pressed in on every side of him— He pushed against the rock for ages before relenting and allowing his muscles to relax. He would try again tomorrow. He just needed a rest. He awoke in the dark and resumed pushing again with no success. In the dark, the monkey could not tell how much time was passing. He received no visitors, neither his captor nor any of his friends or subjects. Every day, he would push at the stone around him, hoping to create even the smallest crack in the mountain. But it was unyielding. In the suffocating dark, he could not move a single inch. His strength and his magic were useless. After years of struggling, He started to listen to the world above him. He would hear animals walking about the mountain, and soon learned that they could hear him if he spoke. He tried pleading with them to go tell his subjects in Aulai what became of him. But when they heard the earth talk to them, they ran in terror. On the 500th year, the imprisoned monkey felt a familiar presence in the air. Someone magical was walking over his mountain. Someone who might have the power to free him
1: from this prison. Psst! Hello? Hello, Sun Wukong. Do I know you? We've met. I was standing by the Buddha's side when he trapped you in this prison.
0: Guan Yin, it has been so long since I heard your voice. Could you, by any chance, let me out to stretch my legs? It has been so long.
1: I am horribly stiff. <laughs> what is so funny? I know you, Sun Wukong. You cannot trick your way out of learning your lesson.
0: I have learned my lesson. I will not challenge the Buddha ever
1: again. Just let me out from this mountain. "'Fear not, you will not be here forever. I'm off to China. A monk will pass by here soon, sent by me. Promise to serve him as his disciple, and you will be free of this earthly prison.'" "'Monk? What monk?'
2: But Guanyin did not say another word. The Monkey King felt her footsteps fade away as she headed east towards China." The monkey's body trembled with anticipation. After 500 years of darkness, he would soon be free once again. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at Parcast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review. Wherever you're listening, it really does help. Today, we're continuing the story of Sun Wukong, the Monkey King. This is part two of our three-part series. In last week's episode, the Monkey King learned magical abilities that made him an unofficial immortal. However, his pride upset the Jade Emperor, who sent forces to conquer him. When that did not work, Buddha sealed the Monkey King underneath a five-peaked mountain. The Monkey King stayed there until Bodhisattva Guanyin gave him hope—hope that a monk would pass by the mountain on an important mission—a mission he would be able to assist with. With today's episode, we're beginning the main plotline of Journey to the West, the 16th-century Chinese novel in which the Monkey King plays a key role a key role but not that of the protagonist. That part belongs to Tang San Zong, who is called Tripitaka in some English translations. He is a pious, if somewhat meek and naive monk with a quest bestowed by the Buddha himself. The real-world influence for the protagonist of Journey to the West is a 7th-century Buddhist monk named Xuanzong. In 629 CE, Xuanzang supposedly had a dream which convinced him to take a perilous pilgrimage from China to India. He undertook this journey in spite of Emperor Taizong's decree that no Chinese citizens could travel abroad. Along the road, he was aided by fellow Buddhists who believed in the importance of his expedition. He returned 16 years later, bringing with him a number of Buddhist texts, or sutras. He set about translating these sutras for the rest of his life. Journey to the West takes this framework, the story of a monk destined to cross China to retrieve sacred texts, and gives it a fantastical spin— over 300 years after the novel's origin, the subgenre it belongs to would finally get a name, shenmo xiaosho or gods and demons fiction. For the China that protagonist Tan Sanzang has to cross is not the same China that historical Xuanzang departed during the Tang Dynasty. Rather, it's a country full of demons, monsters, gods, and wicked spirits. These dangerous beings are exactly why Tang San Zong needs powerful allies, like the Monkey King. Frost sparkled on the ground as Tripitaka approached the mountain range. He came to a halt before them, staring up at the jagged peaks. They obscured the entire horizon, making it impossible to see where their path led. He looked to his left. His two companions, Guo Ziyi and Su Moksha, stared back at him expectantly. Tripitaka spoke first.
3: Do you think we should go on? I promised the Emperor I would keep you safe on your path, not choose the path for you. Of course. Well... I think we should go forward. We will, at your command.
4: If I may make one request.
3: What is it, Guo Ziyi?
4: With your permission, may I take a drink of wine before we continue? Merely to stave off
2: the chill in the air.
3: We are to refrain from sin, Guo. This is a holy journey. (sighs)
4: As it pleases you.
2: Tripitaka could not help but feel a little guilt for remanding his companion, but he held his head high. Guanyin told him it was a sacred task to retrieve these scriptures from India, so he would not apologize for his piety. She had given him the title Tripitaka after the collection of sacred texts he'd set out to recover. He would not defile this designation. The three men set off into the mountains, but within an hour... The trail had disappeared. The trees closed in on the riders. The slope grew steeper and steeper, causing their pace to slow. Tripitaka's horse neighed with agitation. She could smell something wrong in the air. Tripitaka looked about the clearing. He saw nothing amiss, just forest and rock. Suddenly, the ground beneath them began to shake. Tripitaka exchanged a glance with Guo. He could see in Guo's eyes the same fear he felt in his heart. Neither of them knew what to do. A moment later, their horses made the decision for them. The horses surged into the wilderness, carrying their riders with them in a mad dash for stable ground. Branches and twigs struck at Tripitaka's face, cutting sharp scars in his cheeks. And then the ground gave way beneath them. Ah! All three men fell into a pit. Their horses buckled beneath them, and Tripitaka found himself sprawled among loose earth and piles of their supplies. His vision was obscured by dirt, and his head stung where a rock had struck it. He rubbed his eyes with a stinging hand, trying to orient himself.
3: Guo, Zhu, do you live?
2: (sighs) That sounds like a yes. What happened? Shh! The three men looked up to see a band of ogres leering over them. Three stood out amongst them, one which looked like a tiger, another like a buffalo, and the third like a bear. The tiger ogre leaned in and plucked Sue from the pit. Please, mighty demons, we
3: are on a mission from the Buddha of most sacred importance. Let us free and it will be great for your karma. "'Ho,
4: ho, ho! This is far better than I could have hoped for!
3: "'We'll
4: eat him last, and we'll all be able to live forever!
2: <laughs> Trippy ha, heart sank. He had heard rumors that evil spirits in the wild thought that eating the pious would grant them immortality. But he had never believed them until now, as he was being bound to a tree by those very ogres.' Once they secured him, they turned away to prepare for their awful meal. A cooking fire blazed in the thicket of trees. The gang of ogres gathered around it. Guo Ziyi and Su Moksha were dragged into the ring, and Tripitaka lost sight of them. Their screams set Tripitaka's teeth on edge. Then, suddenly... They were silent. The smell of burning meat wafted over to where Tripitaka sat. His stomach turned over in disgust. He closed his eyes and attempted to meditate. He tried not to think about becoming the ogre's breakfast, or worse, their dessert. Tripitaka had promised the emperor he would return in three years' time. He had not even made it a week. He prayed that in his next life, he would be more prudent. Tripitaka. Tripitaka's eyes shot open. The sun had fallen, and the forest was now utterly dark, save for the dimming light of the ogre's fire. But he felt a comforting presence hover by his shoulder, Bodhisattva Guanyin herself.
3: Guanyin? How did you know
2: I was in danger?
1: You have many friends in the heavens, Tripitaka. The planet Venus saw your plight and sent for me immediately. We all wish to see you succeed in your journey. But
3: my supplies and companions are lost. These knots are too tough. I am doomed to failure and death. I have let Buddha down. The ropes
2: encircling Tripitaka's body split and fell away from him. A gentle breeze stirred the hairs at the back of his neck. He turned and saw a horse standing in a nearby clearing, as if waiting for him. Tripitaka took off at a sprint, pulling himself into the saddle. The second he touched the horse's back, it surged into the undergrowth. This was not the galloping of a panicked steed. This horse knew where it was going. Trees whisked by in the dark. Tripitaka felt them surging uphill, then downhill, then uphill again. The smell of his roasted companions faded into the distance, only the ugly memory remaining. Then, without warning, the horse... Stopped. Tripitaka looked around. The stars sparkled above. He gazed out onto a valley, bordered by five mountains.
3: What do you mean bringing me here, Guan Yin? I have no bearings and no guidance but this horse. What is this? Not another trap?
0: Hello. Are you the Tang monk traveling to India?
2: Up next, Tripitaka meets the Monkey King and starts to gather a band of magical followers to aid him in his quest. to the story. Tripitaka was given a sacred charge by the Bodhisattva Guanyin to retrieve sacred texts from the West and bring them back to China. But his journey was not off to a great start. Within a week of setting out, he had wandered into the Two Forked Ridge, where both his companions had been killed and eaten by ogres. A last-minute rescue from Guan Yin was all that saved Tripitaka from being the demon's next meal. She had returned his horse to him with fresh supplies. But now he was on a mountain in the middle of nowhere, with no clue which way was west. He would have been completely lost if the mountain had not spoken to him. I am sorry, who are you?
0: My name is Sun Wukong. Release me and I will protect you in your journey to the west.
3: How do you know who I am?
0: We have a mutual... acquaintance in Guanyin. I would not quite call her a friend, since we have not spoken much over the last few centuries.
3: Can you show me the way?
0: More than that, release me and I can defend you from any demons or spirits you encounter.
3: I cannot shift a mountain.
0: You do not have to. All you must do is wish for me to be free.
3: Why should I trust
2: you?
0: Who else is going to rescue you from this tiger?
2: Tripitaka nearly jumped out of his skin in shock. A black and orange shadow flitted along the underbrush near him. Its bared fangs dripped with saliva. As it approached him, step by step... Tripitaka wished with all his might that the strange voice was free so it could rescue him. The earth beneath Tripitaka's feet burst open, and a monkey leapt forth. It swung a staff in its hands, glistening as it sliced through the moonlight. Tripitaka could have sworn the staff grew longer and shorter in the monkey's hands as he thrashed the tiger again and again until it was dead. You did not have to kill that beast.
0: Why not? It was efficient. Plus, we now have meat and fur for the road.
3: I do not eat meat.
2: More for me, then. Trippitaka spoke to Sun Wukong over the campfire that night. Sun Wukong told him about his time as the Monkey King, how he had fought every immortal heaven could throw at him, and how it was only through the Buddha's trickery that he had been imprisoned. The monkey's eyes glittered with delight as he told the story, but something different was in there that Tripitaka could not quite ascertain. Was it melancholy? Did 500 years under the mountain make this mischievous little monkey regret his past deeds? But almost as soon as Tripitaka had seen the look, it was gone. Sun Wukong was back to his brash and confident self, laying out the perfect plan forward. In spite of his rude manner, Sun Wukong gave Tripitaka a sense of confidence, and they set off the next morning with renewed hope that their goal was achievable. The next day, Tripitaka was riding down the road with the Monkey King, Sun Wukong, by his side, wearing the tiger skin as a robe. They approached a band of five burly men going the other way, Each one of them was heavily armed with pikes and swords. Tripitaka hesitated, but Sun Wukong reassured him with a look. If they made trouble, he would handle it. Sure enough, the lead man held out a hairy palm, spare hand gripped around his sword hilt.
4: Stop where you are. Give us your horse and your packs if you hope to escape with your life. How dare you, sir!
3: Sun Wukong, what are you doing? Shh. We are but
0: poor, innocent monks on our way to the western regions. Who are you to demand payment from us? Tell me your names. (laughs) We are
4: robber kings, mountain lords among the benevolent. The first of us is called Eye That Sees and Delights. The second, Ear That Hears and Is Angry. The third... Nose that smells and covets. The fourth, tongue that tastes and desires. The fifth, mind that conceives and lusts. And the sixth, body that suffers and supports. Who might you be?
3: Monkey, I think we should do as they say.
4: I ask again, who are you?
0: I am Sun Wukong, the Monkey King but you may call me Ape That Fights and Wins."
2: The lead bandit drew his sword and charged at the monkey. He swung his blade low at Sun Wukong's head in a blow that could shear the small beast in half. But Sun Wukong stepped out of the way and the sword whistled through empty air. The other bandits joined the fray, swinging and hacking at the monkey, who nimbly dodged each of their blows. When they were panting heavily, he finally made his move. He reached up behind his ear and withdrew his staff, which had been hidden there. The bandits, seeing the glint in his eye, turned to flee. Tripitaka watched as Sun Wukong sailed in between his opponents. He hopped and slid between their weapons, striking them where they were least protected. It seemed like sometimes he didn't even touch the ground between blows. The few times they managed to strike him, their blades skirted off uselessly, as if Sun Wukong was made of stone." In a few moments, all of the bandits were lying on the road in a pile of blood and broken swords. Sun Wukong stripped them of their armor and carried their belongings back to Tripitaka, a pleased look on his face.
0: There! We have robbed the robbers!
2: You had no right to kill them.
3: They would have killed you! A priest should be ready to die rather than commit acts of violence.
0: What is the good of non-violence? If I never killed anyone, I
3: never would have become the great sage, equal to heaven. And you never would have been in prison for 500 years. Do you want to go to India on your own? Because
0: I don't have to become a monk. I could just leave you right here.
2: Grumbling with resentment, Sun Wukong leapt into the air and alighted on a cloud. He rode it off into the distance, Grumbling at the pig-headedness of priests, he would never become one of them. He had barely gone a hundred leagues when a familiar figure appeared beside him on his cloud. It was the Bodhisattva Guan Yin.
1: What are you doing, San Wukong? God! Guan Yin! I... well, I tried to join your Tong monk on his journey,
0: but he did not appreciate my help. I'm going back to the Water Curtain Cave, where I will be properly appreciated for my talents.
1: <sighs> Go back to Tripitaka and try harder this time. He's young and naive, but wise in ways you do not see yet. You can learn from him just as he can learn from you.
2: Guan Yin slipped through the cloud and vanished, leaving Sun Wukong gliding through the sky, muttering with frustration. Finally, Sun Wukong sighed, loudly enough that even the Jade Emperor could hear his reluctance, then flew back to where he had left Tripitaka. He found Tripitaka making camp by the side of the road. The monk barely seemed to have noticed Sun Wukong's absence, which made Sun Wukong all the more furious. The least Tripitaka could have done is gotten himself embroiled in horrible peril while he was away. Tripitaka looked up as the monkey approached. He grinned happily.
3: Sun Wukong, so glad to have you back. I'm sorry, Master. I behaved badly. I would like your forgiveness. It is already given. Actually, I have a gift for you. An old woman I met on the road gave me this circlet. Try it on.
2: Sun Wukong accepted the gift without a second thought. This was obviously the monk's way of apologizing to him. He took the circlet and put it on his head. It was a little large. He opened his mouth to say so and then stopped. He could feel it tightening around his head. He looked over to Tripitaka and saw him whispering something. It sounded... Like a spell. Ow,
0: ow, ow! Master, stop! This hurts! Ah!
3: Are you listening, monkey?
0: You're putting a spell on me!
3: Nothing of the sort. I'm merely reciting the scripture of the tight fillet.
0: Make it stop!
3: Do you promise not to kill anyone?
0: Yes, I do! Ah! Who taught you that spell, master?
3: An old woman I met on the road. She gave me this circlet and told me how to use it. That was no old woman.
2: Sun Wukong tried to pry the band from his head, but even when it was not painfully tight, it could not be removed. So that is how Guanyin aims to make me reform, he thought to himself, by making me wear this painful trinket with no other choice. Sun Wukong did his best to forget the constant threat of pain as they made their way west, Tripitaka riding his horse and the Monkey King riding his cloud. They made good progress, rarely stopping for very long in any particular city, until they found themselves at the banks of the Eagle Grief Stream. Midwinter had set in, and icicles hung from every tree. The river itself was nearly frozen solid, so it did not look difficult to cross. Something stirred beneath the ice as Tripitaka's horse stood on it. For a horrible moment, they saw a dark shadow circling beneath them. The river burst, and a dragon emerged. Tripitaka fell from his horse back onto the snowy bank. The dragon reached out and swallowed the horse whole before vanishing back under the water. Tripitaka and the Monkey King sat by the riverbank, stunned, trapped. Coming up, Tripitaka and Sun Wukong figure out how to cross the river and gain new key allies. Now, back to the story. Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, had a lot of learning to do. Enraged at the monk's piety, he had abandoned Tripitaka shortly into their journey together. But a quick chiding from the Bodhisattva Guanyin and a magic circlet had put him back on the right path. But soon, he and his Buddhist monk master hit another snag in their journey. Though Sun Wukong had defeated armed bandits and tigers, A river dragon was another matter entirely. In a single bite, it swallowed Tripitaka's horse, then returned beneath the water. Even if Tripitaka was able to cross the river by hopping across the shifting ice flows, there's no way he'd get far without a horse. Sun Wukong could not carry him the rest of the way to India.
3: What shall we do, Sun Wukong? We can't double back so soon into our journey. Hmm.
2: You
0: say Guan Yin helped you escape from the ogres. Maybe she might come to our aid now.
3: Do you not want to fight the beast yourself? You are quite accomplished in combat. Above
0: land and in the sky, this is true. But underwater? I am just a monkey flailing with a stick.
3: No good at all. Shall I recite the scripture of the tight Filet to you once again?
0: No, no, please! I will think of an alternate solution... A moment, please.
2: Sun Wukong summoned his cloud and flew toward the heavens. Finding Guan Yin was far more challenging than he had expected. His memory of heaven had faded somewhat in the last 500 years, and the bureaucracy had only gotten worse. Even when he found her home, he had to wade his way through countless servants, insisting that the Bodhisattva had better things to do than talk to a disgraced immortal. So when he finally stumbled into her chambers, he was utterly exhausted.
1: Guan Yin! How fortuitous we should run into each other like this! What is it you want, monkey? Are you running away from your duty again? Not at all. I am here to aid Tripitaka.
0: We found ourselves on the banks of the Eagle Grief Stream, and a dragon halted our way. It
1: ate Tripitaka's horse! Ugh, must I do everything myself? Just the slightest assistance would- Follow me.
2: Faster than even Sun Wukong could keep up with, Guan Yin sped to where Tripitaka was waiting by the river.
1: Come out, dragon of the eagle grief stream. Bodhisattva Guanyin commands you. What is your wish, Guanyin? I commanded you to aid Tripitaka, did I not?
4: That is correct, Bodhisattva.
1: You know this dragon? Then why did you eat his horse?
4: In truth, I did not know this was the one you spoke of. I am truly sorry.
2: Rolling her eyes, Guan Yin waved a hand. The dragon twisted and contorted before spilling out of the river. Sun Wukong and Tripitaka dodged out of the way just as its serpentine body crashed onto the riverbank. And then it started to change. Its scales softened, and four hooves sprouted from its sides— The fearsome jaws twisted and molded into the snout of a horse.
1: You long here will be your mount from now on. Watch over them, you long, or I shall make your transformation permanent. I warn you all, do not rely so heavily on my guidance in the future. You will not make it far without being able to solve problems on your
2: own." Yulong was a finer mount than Tripitaka's horse had ever been. Tripitaka climbed onto his back, and they set off at a pace that no ordinary horse could match. A frozen river was no challenge for a steed that used to be a river dragon. Sun Wukong rode beside them on his cloud, idly picking at the circlet on his head, wishing he could pluck the thing off and throw it into the icy water. They set off through the valley, crossing rivers, going up and down hills, always following the setting sun. After many months of travel, they happened upon a small farm. Standing outside it was a man and a woman. The man was old, bent over and sobbing into his hands. A young boy leaned over him, trying to comfort him. Tripitaka rode forward and called out in greeting. Hello!
0: Please, sir! Do not hurt us! We have nothing of value here!
2: Relax. We are Buddhist
3: monks, taking part in a sacred journey.
0: Right. Pardon my master. He is not well.
3: What is the matter with him?
0: He... You must forgive me, my lord. I daren't say much, lest it return while I speak.
3: What is it?
0: Six months ago, a horrible monster with a pig face took my master, Mr. Cow's daughter. He has been distraught ever since. They have been living on the farm in that back shed. Ever since the monster took her as his wife.
2: Unwilling to desert the distraught farmer in his hour of need, Sun Wukong devised a cunning plan. He used his magic to slip into the monster's home. To his delight, he found that Mr. Cao's daughter, Blue Orchid, was alive and unharmed. Using his magic, he spirited her outside and bade her to hide. Then he transformed into her perfect likeness and waited in the monster's bed. He grinned mischievously and assumed his most seductive pose. The sun set, its golden orb nestling in between the far-off mountains. Just as Sun Wukong was about to nod off, the door to the cabin flew open and a shadow filled it. The shadow stepped in, grunting. The monster's face was that of a pig, and its bulky pink flesh visibly jiggled as it walked. It wore a spotted handkerchief tied around its head and held a nine-pronged rake in its right hand, which it set aside as it approached.
4: Did you miss me, my love? Oh, the welcome home. Are you mad at me, Blue Orchid?
2: The pig monster leaned in, snout opening for a wet kiss. By reflex, Sun Wukong struck his snout with an open palm. The pig reeled back.
4: (coughs) Why did you strike me so? Are you mad at
0: me? No, husband. You merely have such a clumsy way of kissing. I thought you would have learned more in six months.
4: Oh, are you feeling well? You did not come to the door to greet me.
0: I am not ill, but sad. So sad, my husband. My parents do not approve of you as a son-in-law.
4: How dare they? I have done everything a husband should do. I do my work around the farm, buy you good clothes to wear and provide for you. What more could they possibly want from me?
0: You never told them your name, my dear. To them, you're just a monster! I did not tell
4: them that I was the great Chupachi.
0: No, my beautiful husband. You were so, um, passionate that you forgot to introduce yourself. And now they have hired a monk to chase you off their land.
4: They had better be a powerful monk if they want to make me leave my home. Whoever this man is, he cannot have faced a foe as powerful
0: as I. I most certainly have!
2: As his wife turned into a monkey, the pig monster Chu Pachi leapt out of bed in shock, seizing his rake by the door and wheeling to face the imposter. But Sun Wukong leapt at him feet first, knocking him through the doorway. Chu Pachi landed in a nearby field, upturning a large slice of tilled earth as he skidded to a halt. Then he was on his feet, swinging his rake viciously at the monkey. Sun Wukong parried the blows without much effort, cackling at how well his ruse had gone, but even he had to admit the pig was no slouch on the battlefield. The fight dragged on longer than Sun Wukong had expected. As the two animals fought, Tripitaka, Mr. Cao, and his daughter Blue Orchid gathered to watch the unfolding violence. The earth surrounding Sun Wukong and Chu Pachi was broken and shifted by their blows. The sun fell and rose again as the fight continued, until Chu Pachi submitted.
0: <laughs> you win! <sighs> I give up! Do you promise to leave this man and his daughter alone? I... uh, Where will I go? I have nowhere else to turn.
4: This place has been my home ever since I was cast out of the Jade Emperor's court.
3: You were in heaven?
4: I was. I was commander of heaven's navy. The Jade Emperor himself gave me this rake. Why were you cast out? I was caught wooing the moon goddess's daughter and the moon goddess herself.
0: Why does that not surprise me?
4: (laughs) Guangyin turned me into a pig and sent me down here. I do not know what sort of punishment she has in store for me, so I made myself alive here as best I could.
2: Sun Wukong and Tripitaka exchanged a glance, it was no coincidence that their paths had crossed with this lecherous pig. It seemed that for the third time, Guan Yin had sent them a companion for their journey.
3: So, Chupa Chi, how would you like a chance to redeem yourself in the Jade Emperor's eyes?
4: I would do anything for such a chance.
3: Even give up your current
2: wife? The pig looked back toward Blue Orchid, who was embracing her father, weeping tears of joy. He turned back to Tripitaka and nodded, shouldering his rake.
0: What do you need me to do? Well... I am glad you asked. Yulong here has been carrying our bags for leagues now. If you could carry them, that would be oh so helpful. Am I to be a pack mule all the way to India? Not at all! You shall be more of a pack pig!
2: (laughs) Chu Pachi grumbled as he shouldered the saddlebags. Sun Wukong grinned. The magic circlet may have left him at Tripitaka's mercy, but having someone of his own to torment would make this trip so much more fun. Freshly resupplied from Mr. Cao's farm, they set off. Sun Wukong sailed over Chu Chi's head as they went, just out of reach of his rake. Though he complained the whole time, the pig carried the heaviest of the packs and cooked for them when they made camp. They heard little word from Guan Yin. As promised, the Bodhisattva left much of the journey to them. Ahead of them lay the hardest part of their journey. Wilderness, thick with demons, spirits, and dragons. Sun Wukong could not wait to confront them all. It had been a long time since he had a proper challenge. Chu Pachi often spoke about the treasures he hoped to discover on their journey. But as they traveled toward the setting sun, Sun Wukong saw an entirely different treasure in the Golden Glow — his freedom. Next week, we'll conclude the story of the Monkey King as Tripitaka's band faces demons, dangers, and eventually finds their way to the Buddha himself and receives their rewards. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Mythology, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every other Saturday we dive into another dark, classic tale. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at Network. We'll be back next week with the conclusion of this epic tale.
3: Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, Paul Mahler, Joshua Kern, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Robert Teamstra with writing assistance by Drew Cole. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Jerry Courtney Austin, Mike Capozzi, Brian Kim, Sky King, Drew Lawn, Harris Markson, Albert Park, Jack Schulruf, and Jen Wong. Mythology stars, Vanessa Richardson.